Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. However, wherever, whenever you're listening, this is the Root for Wisconsin show. Episode 141, coming at you from the Riverwood Gallery Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm host producer Eric Fisher. Joining me this week, we've got Dylan Tritt. Dylan, college roommate. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. How are you? Doing great. I'd say the old man, but the last time I did that, Justin joined. And... Yeah, don't do he that. Came out, the, came out of the cloud. So <laughs> I, uh, I I don't necessarily want to wish that upon anybody else in their ears. But if he joins, and I did throw the open invite out to the other members of our team. Uh, so if they join, they join. We'll see. I can rule out Secretary Shauna as of right now. She is busy with her tutoring gig. That is always subject to change. So maybe she'll join us a little bit later. We'll, like I said, we'll see. It's an open invite to our podcast team. So, like I said, we'll see. In the meantime, though, a couple pieces of business we do have to address before we get into the episode here. First and foremost, got to thank our friends over at RPW, Rage and Pro Wrestling. February 10th at the Watering Hole in Green Bay. Potentially the last event at the Watering Hole for RPW. Tickets are available for that as we speak. I know myself, a guest who is not on this podcast, and Ramsey will be there. Uh, still working out the last person for that one. Um, so February 10th at the Water Hole in Green Bay. We also have another show February 9th that I want to promote. That myself, Secretary Shauna, and Ramsey will be at. Also still figuring out uh, the last kind of moving piece of that as well. But that show is HWE is what it's called. And that is run by our good friend. You've heard him here on the program multiple times. TW3. And that is Hybrid Wrestling Entertainment. That is February 9th at Badger State Brewing. Tickets available for that one as well. So Ramsey and myself, at the very least, will be at both events. And hope to see everybody there get some great local pro wrestling as some of the top talent throughout the state and really throughout the world comes to Northeast Wisconsin. Uh, tickets are available for both those events at their local venues, as well as for RPW at look sharp in the Fox River mall and RPW pro wrestling.com tickets are available there. A uh, couple other pieces of news on the RPW front, Dylan, I know, you know, you're kind of a lapsed wrestling fan. But first of all, greatest time of the year right now in the wrestling world. And we'll talk more about uh, the wrestling world here in just a little bit. But I don't know if you remember this this gentleman, but his name in WWE was Mr. Kennedy. Oh, yeah, I do. Native of Two Rivers, Wisconsin, was billed as being from Green Bay. Mm-hmm. And no longer, obviously, in the WWE. So it goes by his actual name, Ken Anderson or Mr. Anderson. And he is making a number of appearances in RPW throughout the calendar year. And a dream match coming up on November 1st, which we've already gotten tickets guaranteed for, at the Big Apple in Manitowoc. And that match, the dream match for RPW Destiny 4, which tickets are already available for, Zilla Fatu versus Mr. Anderson. For those of you who don't know, Zilla Fatu is the son of former WWE superstar, the late Umaga. And 
Interestingly enough, why this is a dream match, you know, you might have never heard of him. Umaga's last match in WWE was actually against Mr. Kennedy. Mm. And uh, Zilla is just kind of starting out. So um, he had gone through Booker T's Wrestling Academy and just kind of hitting the road now. So just a little, you know, just a total different, you know, opposite ends of the spectrum and getting started. So his, I believe that'll be uh, Zilla Fatu's Wisconsin wrestling debut against Mr. Kennedy, the last match in WWE that his father had wrestled. So mm-hmm. uh, really cool news there. So with that in mind, like I said, tickets are available for that as well. So with that, Dylan, we get right into the heart of our episode and a lot to talk about in the next however long we go. Um, Plenty has happened in the world of sports and specifically Wisconsin sports. And before we get into all of that, we have to talk about what we had rooted for over the last, really the last two weeks. We had the the first ever TikTok episode last week, which mm-hmm. we condensed, or I condensed uh, about hour and a half, two hours, what you, we usually go, into a minute and a half. I was very proud of myself, yeah. um, which probably still was too long for some people, but that's neither here nor there. I'm not going to address that. But nope. Dylan, what do you got for us? What's been going on the last two weeks? <clears throat> yeah, I guess I don't really know where to start. Um as far as rooting for, I mean, I, I'm going with um, Nina Senior Guard, Ali Zebel making the McDonald's All-American team. We that don't have any of those. phenomenal, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll kind of fill in the gap there. Ali Zebel is a UConn commit. She's a senior at Nina High School. And Justin and I had talked to her about her, not to her, um, on our other show, the Back to the Root show, exclusive to YouTube. So go to our YouTube channel, at the Root for Wisconsin show on YouTube. And if you want to check us out, uh, talk about her back last basketball season as we got ready for uh, girls sectional basketball when they were playing Hortonville for a potential chance at the uh, state championship game on the line. So have talked about her and what a phenomenal athlete that she is. And yes, still, I, I don't know if she's, I can't imagine she's the first ever to play in that McDonald's All-American game from Wisconsin, but definitely the first in quite some time. No, I don't believe she is the first. Um, no, she's definitely not the first. Last female basketball player I can recall in a long time, but... Um, right, that's that's what I was... That's what I had meant. I want to say Kavon Looney was... He would have been in high school class of 2014. Yeah. For the boys' side. Um, I'm going to say Diamond Stone from Dominican was as well. Class of 15, um, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think so. He was a... He might even be 16. He might have been a... When I was a senior, he might have been a freshman. I was Sam Decker. Sam Decker, uh, McDonald's All-American? I am... I'm not sure. Uh, Seeing if I can find some information here as well. I'm going to guess... You remember Henry Ellingson? 
uh, from from Rice Lake. Yep, I believe he was as well. So it looks like Lash. So these were nominations. So not necessarily playing in the game, um, but Tegan Malegny from McFarland last year was mm-hmm. a McDonald's All-American. I don't know if she played in the game or not. She was an Iowa commit. Mm-hmm. So actually, I believe she, yeah, she played. So last year, so I guess instead of going, uh, saying it's been a long time, it's actually back-to-back years. So definitely a first for Northeast Wisconsin in quite some time. Yeah, let's see. Uh, Brian Butch. Okay. In 03, he was. Sam Oakey from Cassville in 95. Joe Wolf from Kohler in 83. Shout out to Kohler. Let's see. Handful of nominations in the past, too. Uh, Patrick from Baldwin as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, KK Arnold, another UConn commit, also. Mm, yeah, from duh. Germantown. She was also a senior last year. Regardless, it's something that doesn't really happen to Wisconsin basketball players all that often. So, and especially not Northeast Wisconsin. So let's let's no. let's make that our focus. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So phenomenal accolade for her. I have not gotten a chance to see her play. I did see KK Arnold play uh, at state last year, and she was a phenomenal talent. As did I. I also saw. Um, Tegan Maligny, who we had just talked mm-hmm. a few moments ago, but uh, hopefully for Allie's sake, they make the trek down there. Because first of all, Rush Center or the state at Rush Center, it's so it's so incredibly cool um, to have that in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And for my, for my money, I think it's really cool how it kind of ends up working out. Where Green Bay, as of right now, is still the the focal point of women's college basketball in this state. And mm-hmm. there's something to it being here in Green Bay as opposed to be down in Madison. Mm-hmm. So I, I concur. Uh, that is your route for my route for is I'm going to go with kind of the same thing here, but I'm going to stick with the Phoenix men and women. And, and both teams actually snapped winning streaks over the weekend. And the women had had a 10 game win streak snaps over the weekend in a last second shot loss to Oakland. But just again, the, the 10 games in a row, it just speaks volumes for mm-hmm. how talented. And, you know, you start, I, I wrote about this for horizon round round table that I uh, write for my, one of my side gigs, but um, you just kind of start running out of accolades and superlatives for mm-hmm. a team like that. And it speaks volumes and, you know, the best part of a winning streak ending is that another one starts. Another one can start. Phoenix women will be in action tonight as we record. So I will probably have my eye on there. Uh, They were playing IUPUI, who has fallen down the ranks of the Horizon League over the last couple of years. But anything can happen in a given night. So I have we'll have my eyes on that and we'll possibly provide updates as we go. So. That is my root for, but with the positives come the negatives, Dylan. That is our Tyler Hero Noogie of the Week. And I'm going to start with you here to see if you have one right away. 
I do. It's not necessarily Wisconsin related, but I'm going to go with Draymond Green and his recent comments about Kevin Durant. Very I curious. I, I did not see these, so I would love to. I'd love to hear. He was explaining why Kevin Durant is not in the goat conversation. Okay. <clears throat> I don't that, hate. I don't, I don't hate believe. where this is going yet. It's just the fact. So here's his quote, right? Steph Curry didn't get credit that Steph gets today until 2022 when he led this team to a championship, like the one against Boston, mm-hmm. and won the finals MVP. When all else was failing, Steph said, all right, fellas, come on, let's go there, period. You got to go do what Steph did to get in that conversation. I don't necessarily disagree with that, but it's just the fact that these this is coming from the guys that called Kevin Durant and begged him to come join their roster after they lost to the Cavs in 2016. Kevin Durant, you know, led them to two straight championships. Correct. Two back-to-back finals MVPs, and then and then they kind of turn on him like that. I, I just – I thought that was just nonsense at best, but that's just me. I don't hate the basis of where that comes from. I find it odd of who is saying it. (laughs) That too, since he was the one who specifically called Kevin Durant. Right, and that's that's where you kind of lose me. You have me on board, but then you lose me because it's Draymond Green saying it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I I don't... It sure is an odd way to attack a guy. Yeah. I do have a couple of thoughts um, and related to this and not my noogie. My, uh, this would have been my noogie prior to today, but my noogie was going to be, dude, Wisconsin sports fans Mm. as a whole are just sometimes Mm -hmm. incredibly delusional. And Dylan, I know I talked to you about this already. Yeah, I know where you're going. And I want to be clear. I love the Bucks. I enjoy Chris Middleton. I am grateful that he is a Milwaukee Buck. Very grateful that he helped deliver a championship to this team in 2021. Without Chris Middleton, they may they I'd say they may not. They probably don't win that championship in 2021. I don't think that's a stretch to say. I I I, I would agree with that. Yep, I would agree with that. Now, with that said, I saw an argument, had a back and forth with a gentleman on the Facebooks who was insistent that Chris Middleton is a top 10 small forward of all time. And a Hall of Famer. And a Hall of Famer, both of which just aren't true. And I, this goes back to something that I have very frequently talked about on this show. And just as a whole, not everyone's a Hall of Famer. No, You can be an important okay. cog on your team that wins a championship, potentially even multiple, if they somehow pull one out this year or next year, whatever it ends up being. You can be an important piece of a championship team 
and not be a Hall of Famer. It is okay. It is not mm-hmm. the Hall of pretty damn good. It is not the Hall of of great. It's the Hall of Fame. We have we're talking you to qualify. You should have to be a generational talent. Mm-hmm. And to make that happen, I mean, the obviously these are all subjective things. Chris Middleton isn't even the most important buck. He's arguably maybe not even the second most important buck at any point. He may not even be the third most important buck at any point. As of right now with how this team is currently, the current makeup of this team and how we've seen rotations. This makeup, I would I would say during that championship run they were he was a second or third second option i i would say that he was a very key important offensive option but i don't think he was the mo- the second most i don't think he was the second most important player on that championship team i would put it Giannis, and it's, Giannis is way way up right like Giannis oh, yeah, is no one's of, even close we're we're doing we're doing skype right now my hand isn't even in picture. I'm doing actually my my shadow is, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah um, I see that. Know. That's good enough. But Giannis is so far and above. Mm-hmm. I would argue that Drew Holiday was much more important to that championship run than Chris Middleton was. I think you have an argument for that. So the fact, but that's what I'm saying is the point. The fact that it's even up for debate. It's not right. clear cut, you know, Chris Middleton points to this conversation. Chris Middleton will probably have number 22 retired when he re- when he's done. He'll probably have yes. his jersey up in the rafters, which probably a little yep. bit of a stretch if we're being honest, but it's kind of the nature of the business. So I, I'm not going to criticize that. I'm OK with that. Yeah, I but think Chris it's more Middleton, of a reward for loyalty. Sure. But Chris Middleton is not an NBA Hall of Famer as of right now. And he has some career to go. He has some years to change and sway that. I don't foresee it happening. But there is a path where it's possible. But to call He's got three all sorry, go ahead. Yeah, three all stars averages what, sixteen a game per year? Seventeen, seventeen four, basically. But to call him a top 10 at that position. I don't think he's top 30 in that position. No, he might I not agree. be top 10 in that position right now. That's currently in the league. He's definitely at the latter half of top 10 in the league. Currently. He's right. definitely not top 20 at the position all time. He's definitely not no. top 30 at the position all time. Uh, couple different i mean if you start getting in the list like yeah you know you can look at okay 37 is he top 40 maybe is he top 50 probably i'd concede maybe top Mm -hmm. 50 but he sure shit ain't top 20 no he's it's not not. close it's not close um so that's that's one of my actually i'm gonna make that one of my nuggies because i got pretty fired up above it my other (laughs) i know you did that was funny I didn't plan on being that fired up about it, but here we are. Um, my other nugget is another thing that is just 
a, a very common thing that I hate that we have to talk about so frequently as sports fans, as people who watch sports, cover sports, talk about sports. Can we stop sending death threats to athletes? Mm. And yeah, you gotta to, have I mean, better people as, a, as a whole, like we, the, you shouldn't ever have to threaten to kill someone barring, you know, there's obviously, you know, I won't ever put myself in a box where it's never not appropriate. I'm sure in many instances throughout human history that there are times where you won't really turn an eye to it, right? Like mm-hmm. that that's a whole different that's a morality question way above our pay right here at the Wisconsin show. Yeah, not our but, not our forte over here. But can we stop tweeting, DMing athletes and putting threats on them and their families and all this stuff mm-hmm. over a game. Like I, I get, you know, sports are very passionate. They bring out a lot of emotion. And I can see being, you know, upset. I, I, I think people who even tweet to athletes specifically negative comments that even aren't threats, but they're kind of losers to start with. Mm-hmm. But if we're taking that one step further, there is zero reason. I don't care if you bet the house on the Bills or the Packers this weekend. That's a you problem, not a them problem. Right. And actually, to to Packer fans' credit, this wasn't them this time. This was actually Bills fans tweeting at Tyler Bass and made him deactivate his social media because of threats mm-hmm. against his life. But what are we doing as a society? Like, I... I just can't ever wrap my head around it. And I hate that we had talked about this once every couple months. Mm -hmm. And I know that we're not like a nationwide show. I mean, we are. We're available. Apple, Google for now, because that's about to get shut down. YouTube and Spotify. So we're out there. So people of the world, if you're listening, this is free advice to everybody. Stop it. I'm sick of having to say this. I'm sick of making this my noogie when there's better things to be ticked off about, like Chris Middleton being a Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but, okay, so that's that's my two noogies of the week. We move on, and bef- usually this is where we start doing um, our trip around the state of Wisconsin. We do have, Dylan, do you want to talk about pull tabs quick? This was something I had teased okay. in our TikTok or our TikTok last week. Um, again, did not have this in my. This is our Wisconsin web story of the week. Uh, did not have this in my bingo card for 2024. But pull tabs made the news last week, and just <clears throat> kind of talking about them and how great of a thing they are. Uh, this comes from Channel 5 in Green Bay. We are Green Bay. WFRV bars are known for a multitude of entertainment offerings from jukebox to karaoke from darts and pool. There's no limit to the activities that you can partake in at a tavern. But in the Midwest, there's one bit of entertainment that bar goers can't seem to resist. Pull tabs. Pull tabs aren't an offering you'll find only around the Great Lakes. They've been around since the 1970s, starting as a fundraiser tool for charities um but obviously has evolved since there 
for those of you who don't know what a pull tab is, a like I said, it is the greatest one of the greatest inventions to ever exist. Uh, generally, it ha- it's a it's a little business sized business card, like a business card sized piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Um, usually has three to four, sometimes five little cardboard things. You pull them across. You see if your patterns line up. If they do, you win money. Um, pretty simple. Pretty yeah, pretty simple. Very addicting. Obviously, if you have a problem, you should not play them. And, you know, there's numerous resources out there. So play them responsibly. Um, mm-hmm. You can find them all throughout the U.S., even in Canada. But they hold a certain lore in the Midwest. The foundation that tracks these says that uh, Minnesota is far and away among the most popular spot for pull tab players. In 2019, Dylan... Players wagered nearly $1.97 billion in pull tabs alone. That's nuts. More than the next three states of Texas, Kentucky, and Indiana combined. That's nuts. The <laughs> um, story goes on to try and talk about the Wisconsin, saying how um, Wisconsin souvenir milk caps, you can... Find them number of places, including the state fair. Uh, how it gets around the law of gambling, which is something I've always had questions on, but, quote, according to Wisconsin law, any activity that involves the element of consideration, a.k.a. Pr- uh, payment, prize, and chance is gambling and illegal unless authorized by Wisconsin law. Since you have to pay for the pull tabs in which you have chances to win a prize, you might think they'd be illegal. However, Pull tabs distributed by Wisconsin Souvenir Milk Caps offer collectible pop-out milk caps, which are similar to the ones popular Pogs, uh, which is actually, it was a Supreme Court victory. So um, you don't technically have to pay to play. There's end dates and odds are printed on the tickets, and the tickets are random. So it's more of a game of chance as opposed to gambling is how they kind of get around it. Um, They also can go towards... Fundraiser, so it's not always strictly like gambling. And in the state of Wisconsin, the largest prize you can win is $500. Um, the Wisconsin Lottery off- also offers a pull tab style game at with the highest price of $100. And then it's more just talking about the culture of drinking in Wisconsin. Um, so Dylan, just real quick, what's the have you do you play pull tabs when you go to a bar that has them? Not often, but I have. Have you Usually won have big? Very good luck. No, never won anything on a pull tab. Really? Which is why I don't play them all that often. Well, I guess the two could probably, if I played them more, I probably would win more. You know, that all is, of averages is going to play out eventually here. But that is a fair point. I have won uh, $99 one on one, and I've won $200 oh. or $250 on one. It was great. Oh. The time it still kills me. The time that I won the two hundred fifty or two hundred dollars, whatever it was, um, had gone to a bowl. Um, it's a bowling. It's in Appleton by the Grand Shoot area. It's like the, mm-hmm. uh, the Timber Rattlers sponsor it. I or they sponsored the Timber Rattlers. I can't think of the name off the top of my head. Um, Dylan, if you think of it, just let me know. But. Mm-hmm. I had gone there with Shauna and her sister and brother-in-law. And I think a couple of their other friends had met us there. I go, 
I put two dollars in. They're like, "Where'd Eric go?" Oh, you only bought two. Like, yeah, that's only. I don't really use carry cash. So I cash ahead on me. Put two bucks in. Next thing I know, two hundred fifty bucks. It was great. So that is my pull tab story. Uh, the ninety nine dollars time, very similar. Was um, up in Gillette, and some friends of mine had been pouring basically all the cash they had on them uh, into the into the. Actually, that one's a bucket. It's not even a machine. And they probably had close to $100 worth of tickets or the tabs on the bar. I bought one. One single pull tab, $99. That's not bad luck. So it has gotten me a little bit of ridicule um, because I claim that I am good at pull tabs. It's all skill. Your averages play out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's it I I think there's a skill to it personally. Uh, um, it be. Like I said, you gotta you gotta really you can't just you know, if there's the machine, they've got like the four slots. You can't always hammer one. You've gotta kinda pick around. That's mm-hmm. step one. But anyway. So I appreciate getting, your insight. I that's what I do. That's what we do here on the show, Dylan. Getting into the world of sports, some this the business of sports has gotten very interesting as a whole in the last four or five days. And this is a really interesting discussion. Dylan and I had kind of started this, but we wanted to save it for the podcast. So with that in mind, no time like the present, Dylan. So two major TV deals had been announced within the last week. Mm-hmm. One I am kind of lukewarm on, and one I am a monster fan of. The one that I am kind of lukewarm on, I can see it being very, very good, but I, I'm very curious on how the optics and how it's going to play out are going to be, is involving Major League Baseball. The NBA and NHL, uh, specifically for the regional sports network of Bally Sports, which here in Wisconsin uh, impacts the Brewers and Bucks broadcasts. Obviously, it's not every single broadcast, especially for the Bucks being as good as they are. They do have a lot of mm-hmm. national TV games. Um, right. But the Brewers, I believe, end up having 100, usually it's like 150 of their 162 games are on Bally Sports, if not more. Um, and that that's basic, obviously a very significant amount for both Wisconsin sports fans and Brewers fans as a whole. Um, so Valley Sports Wisconsin or Valley Sports as a whole, for those of you maybe not keeping up track with this, has been in the news quite a bit as they had gone bankrupt after being sold by Sinclair TV. And it left these MLB teams and NBA teams kind of in in flux of where our game's going to go. We have contracts. Um, had gone through the, the the bankruptcy courts and the federal courts and all the th- things that go with that. And as of, I believe it was Thursday or Friday of last week, we finally got some sort of resolution that Amazon is going to come in 
and has purchased the majority stake of Valley Sports. Uh, Diamond Sports is actually what it's technically called. And will take over the broadcasting rights. So I believe that the way this plays out, because it hasn't been finalized and approved by the SEC and all how that all has to go, um, the NBA as a whole likely won't see that change happen this NBA season. I believe the timeline for this to really change over is slated for the start of the MLB season towards the end of March. Now, where this, I think, is very positive is, A, it keeps the regionalized sports networks kind of... It's a little bit of on a life support. It's not the true intention of how they were designed. Uh, if we look back to, especially the, for the Brewer's sake, for conversation, uh, started with Fox Sports North, which then had an offshoot of Fox Sports Wisconsin, which then eventually would become Valley Sports Wisconsin. Um, it keeps that alive as of right now and keeps a focus where Brewers fans, Bucks fans, and like Twins and Wild and Timberwolves fans of Minnesota and I believe there's 11 or 11 or 16 different teams affected by this or markets affected by this keeps them with a localized place to go um, for their sports content, which is great because here in Wisconsin, we don't have like an NBC sports Chicago, like mm-hmm. the Cubs have access to. Um, we no longer, you know, we don't have like a WGN, which isn't really the same that it used to be, but that's kind of how NBC sports Chicago had started and TBS was, Atlanta network for for however long. So a lot of a lot of interesting sides to that. Um, like I said, a lot of positives there. However, where it becomes a lot of question marks. One, and I think Amazon and, and the MLB and these teams are still trying to figure this out. Is this mm-hmm. going to move to Amazon Prime exclusive, where it's only available through Prime, which doesn't necessarily affect me, or it doesn't affect me. Uh, we, you know, we have Amazon Prime, but and a lot of people do. I'd say it's probably one of the most common subscriptions, not necessarily mm-hmm. for TV purposes, but just subscriptions across the country for the right. shipping purposes. But you get that for free, basically. So, um, a lot of positive to it. We also don't know how it's going to impact if it's going to be truly regional by then, um, when it if it does go exclusive to Amazon. How it kind of works now is when you have your TV provider. Um, for my case, it's Directv Stream, um, whether it be Spectrum or Dish, Directv, whatever. Uh, kind of bases on your location, you get the closest one to you if you are subscribed to that package and it also doesn't allow um it has local blackouts so when the brewers are on yes we have valley sports north because that's kind of like the main station like for the destination outdoors and all the other things that go on through um valley sports but when the brewers are on and the twins are on we aren't able to watch the Twins here in Wisconsin because of the Brewers. And 
I don't hate that. I think that's there's a lot of positive to that. However, I also mm-hmm. with it going to Amazon, I'm curious if they're going to keep that geographical bias towards it, or if they're going to open it up. Which, if that's the case, and you you know, Amazon ends up maybe only may only end up getting um, five teams for MLB because those five teams are the only ones that actually have exclusive streaming deals through Bally mm-hmm. Sports. But where it gets really interesting to me is, okay, let's say I go, you know, if I go on to Amazon Prime this summer, will I have access to a Twins game or a Reds game? Because those are the two that I can think of the most off the top of my head. But will I have access to those or are we going to have the, the geographical restrictions? Which I don't hate either way. I'm just curious how they're going to play it out. I think it's a great growth yeah. opportunity for MLB if they decide to kind of lift that restriction, um, mm-hmm. especially given how a lot of people don't subscribe to MLB TV because you can't watch your local team. I have a, one of my brother-in-laws lives out in Minnesota. He get he subscribes to it because he gets to watch the Brewers then. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the way for him to watch the Brewers. But when he comes home here in Wisconsin, if he's here for a, even a week, that subscription is useless for him for that week. Which is a, very baffling to me. I, I think it's a very bad business model. I get where it comes from. You want to kick it back to your regional sports networks. But with how Bally was given that they did have like a almost two year blackout on dish TV customers where it was almost exclusive to um, direct TV and I believe YouTube TV. I think there's a lot of pressure on it to just kind of open up on prime and not be as, as regionalized. Mm -hmm. What say you, I know you're not like a huge brewer guy, but as this impacts the bucks and, possibly other NBA teams. What does Dylan yeah. think? I'm not... I'm not entirely sure how this is going to play out yet, but I'm probably more reluctant on it than you. I don't like the thought of streaming services getting exclusive rights. But again, is this going to be exclusive? And that's um, that's my question as well. Is it is it going to be exclusive to Prime, or is it going to be Valley Sports Wisconsin powered by Amazon, where like your Dish TV or your Direct TV customers right. have access? Right. And you know, like, let's just say I used to I used to have Hulu Live. Sure. Right. So you get as many live sports as you can imagine, more more than you could ever want. Um, you know, the Bucks games would be on there sometimes. Now that Prime is going to have the rights, you know, is Hulu Live going to lose those rights? I don't right. know. Uh, my brother-in-law has YouTube TV. Same thing for sports. You know, mm-hmm. if he wants to watch a Bucks game, not that he would, <laughs> is he going to lose... I'm sorry, is YouTube TV going to lose rights to Bucks games? I don't know. I'm not sure how that deal is going to work out. Um, <clears throat> you know, I just, I, I don't want to see this go down that slippery slope of, well, you need 
four different streaming services to watch your teams. Right. I'm not I'm not confident that that's going to happen, but I'm not confident that it's not going to happen either. And I think so. that's, a le- that's a legitimate concern to it, and I think that's the great question. My mm-hmm. understanding of it currently is this more or less impacts the people who would subscribe to Valley Sports Go or Valley Sports Plus, whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, and not necessarily the people who, like myself, would have DirecTV Stream or, like you said, YouTube TV or Hulu Live or you know whatever the service so I don't necessarily see that becoming the case. I think at least for the possibly for the first year, mm-hmm. it may stay more or less the same. But it is in the hands of Amazon now, where I mean, they bought it; they have a right to do whatever they want. And I do agree that is a slippery slope, especially with the regionalized aspect. I mean, it's not like they're taking over ESPN or Fox Sports One or you know, whatever it is. So the the flip side of this, this whole coin and where it gets really interesting is that as, you know, for myself, as a Brewers fan or as a Bucks fan, yes, do I already have Amazon Prime? So it doesn't, it doesn't affect me per se, but in theory right. it does, because am I going to have to only go to Amazon to be able to watch a game? You know, how mm-hmm. is that going to impact you know, I start thinking when you get into bar owners and yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm sure somebody in the building at any given point probably has an Amazon prime subscription. Mm-hmm. Just then that's the nature of how Amazon prime is right now. But like you said, are all these customers of, you know, direct TV and dish and spectrum and your over the air cable providers, are you going to start, losing more and more content to streaming only Mm -hmm. which is a perfect segue to the other piece of broadcast news that came out Uh and that is the wwe going to take what most people would say is their flagship show in monday night raw and in january 2025 moving that exclusively to netflix now, I'm actually so I'm actually not even currently a Netflix customer. They pissed me off last year with their whole password sharing thing. Even though I I was the one paying for it, but I wasn't going to pay extra for people to be able to log in wherever they want to. So I started boycotting. I may have to go back to it. I might have to eat my words. Come next year, I don't want to, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not usually a big Monday Night Raw watcher. I'll watch it on occasion. I'm more of a, I'll read about it on Bleach Report kind of guy, and I'll watch right. the premium live events, which pay-per-views. So, it's, it's, this one's the one that intrigues me the most, and, and I think ends up having a lot more positives than negatives to it. I just want to add something to that real quick before you get into it. Sure. I'm just looking at this article here by Huddle Up. Um, it starts off by saying WWE's flagship program, Raw, will be on the streaming service next year. The next paragraph, it goes into talking about the logistics of the deal, $5 billion over 10 years. Mm-hmm. Good amount of money. 
Um, it's a record breaking. Says, it's that's a yeah. record breaking, and that's why this is so important. Like, yeah, if you're not a wrestling mm-hmm. fan, it means you know nothing to you. It's not you know if you're not a wrestling fan, you're not going right. to go to Netflix and watch it. If you mm-hmm. are a wrestling fan, if you're a Netflix, you know, you know whatever. Mm-hmm. This isn't necessarily about the wrestling world, which I mean we could talk about for hours too. This is about the fact that five billion dollars over the course of ten years, which is a record-breaking contract for live sports. Um, I think the WWE's last TV deal, which was with Fox, I believe was two hundred thirty-four million over five years. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. And I don't know if that was per year or if that was just the total contract. I believe that might have been per year, but this is still doubling that mm-hmm. per you know but on a per year basis. This this article also says Netflix will also become the home for all WWE shows and specials outside the U.S., including SmackDown, NXT, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, and Royal Rumble. Okay, so so it ad- adds more than just raw. Sure. So that's that's for outside the U.S. customers, correct? That's or is it for events I'm that take sure. place outside of? The way that I read this article, I'm saying it's events that take place outside the U.S. Okay, and that that's that definitely. I I would like to get some clarification on that because my interpretation mm-hmm. of how I've kind of seen this play out is that. I think the big contracts so how, you know, you have all these different contracts with these different providers and whatnot. Um, for Monday Night Raw's case, it was USA Network, which is an offshoot of, um, it, you know, so in, the, in the long run, it's in the NBC family. Mm-hmm. So follow the trail that leads you there. Um, but where that gets incredibly interesting to me is that I think why they picked January of 2025 was due to the Canadian deal. I don't remember who the provider in that was, but if I'm not mistaken, they had to wait for that one to be able to kind of go. So my my interpretation of it was that if you're not in the U.S. for as a subscriber, so if you're in Canada and or Mexico, instead of being able to go, okay, Monday nights it's USA, Friday nights it's Fox, I believe Tuesday night NXT is also USA. But instead of going to one of those two networks for your show outside of the U.S., so if you're again, if you're in Canada, it's exclusive now to Netflix for all those events. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless, still very monumental <coughs> um, events happening in a record-breaking contract. This one, like I said, I'm I'm more intrigued by this one. As a viewer, and again, this is somebody as who doesn't subscribe to the product currently, being Netflix. Mm-hmm. But the allure to this, strictly as a fan of the program, is you are no longer constrained to strict TV blocks. Like you know, Monday Night Raw right now for Central Time uh, was seven to ten. SmackDown was seven to nine. You'll have a start time just because there's going to be people in the arena. But you don't have a defined end time anymore. Like, you don't have to meet a certain end. Mm -hmm. You know, so if a match is going long or if a segment goes long, you have that freedom to to let it go and not Mm -hmm. have a TV exec 
breathing down your neck. We're mm-hmm. going long and cutting into, I mean, granted, at that time, it's like you're not getting new TV. You're getting reruns of NCIS and Law and & Order and crap. But still, right, it's the principle whatever. <laughs> where, you know, if you're or on uh, SmackDown's case, that's local news. You know, 8 to 10 out on the East Coast, 7 to 9 here. On Fox, they start their news at 9. So you start getting into local news, and then you got even more possibly upset people as well um, for networks. So I think that's incredibly interesting to go and kind of, for a wrestling show anyway, to get off of network TV like that. Um, I think it's going to really kind of start to set a... Like, I know, you know, you kind of talk about the the precedence of having to go to a different streaming service for anything you want to watch. And I, mm-hmm. I do agree that there is some concern with that because at some point, you know, are we even going to have, cons- you know, like a direct TV or over-the-air cable? Is it just going to strictly mm-hmm. become, you know, you have this service, like a truly a la carte thing, which I don't think is entirely the worst thing either. I mean, I'm not paying for QVC and the home right. network, but there's ups and downs to both sides. Um, you know, as as a as a, I can see this from the perspective of a of a WWE fan. This is probably a great thing. The only downside, at least for us here in the U.S., is that now you require two streaming services to watch WWE content. Mm-hmm. Because here in the U.S., and depending on how um, the interpretation of what we had just talked about is, Peacock is the home for what you know the WWE Network is. And it's all the old pay-per-views. It's all the current premium live events and... You know, mm-hmm. the backstage shows and documentaries and all that. It's all on Peacock. Um, and then the, the show replays eventually get there as well. So now if you're a WWE fan, you've got to have Netflix for Monday night. And then I believe NXT is actually staying with USA TV. So you have USA for Tuesday night NXT. And then as of right now, Fox still has SmackDown. Um, that kind of goes into what we were talking about when we were talking about Valley. You know, it's right. At what point does it end? You know, we're we're kind of not to get a too off topic here, but we're kind of even getting there toward NFL. I know this is NFL is never going to be to this extent, but you know, Prime has access to all Thursday night games. Mm-hmm. Right. Obviously, the NFL, again, NFL is never going to go this way. But you know, what if Netflix, for some unforeseen reason, says, "Well, we're gonna we're gonna buy rights to Monday Night Football." Sure. You know, it, it's kind of just treading down that road. Obviously, again, NFL is not going to do it. They generate way too much money on cable, like you and I talked about earlier this week. But. It's getting that way. Obviously, wrestling is getting that way. Sure. And that, as a from a consumer perspective, that's a little concerning. You know, the interesting, and I, I said this yesterday too. I think the only caveat to this, and where it becomes mm-hmm. kind of back to the center, back to the mean, is that 
a lot of these services, people, the majority, I mean, I would say the, the total majority already have, but it's not like it's an obscure kind of one-off subscription. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the actual numbers are. I'm sure, you know, I'm, I'm taking a guess here, but I am sure that Netflix is probably still the most subscribed to streaming platform across the country, probably across the world. I believe so. Yep. Well, this article so, says it is, so yeah. So from that end, okay, you know, that says to me the average person has Netflix more than that those that don't. If they have a streaming service, that is. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. I'm sure that's demographics of older people who don't have any streaming services. Kind of impacts that a little bit, but uh, even mm-hmm. that's what the wayside these days it's a nice way to say people are dying off that don't use them um (laughs) (laughs) but kind of to that end though like i said so more most people have netflix the average person probably also has prime again mostly for the shopping element of it and the ship free shipping and stuff but there is enough programming on prime tv where it, it can be you know that's like a huge bonus mm-hmm. um, you probably can justify it with the shipping cost alone so as long as you know it kind of stays within that realm i know a lot of wisconsin sports fans this year have been pissed off about games going to peacock like occasional badger football games badger basketball games going to peacock mm-hmm. again i'm a peacock peacock subscriber so it doesn't really bother me you know, I, I'm in the camp usually of saying it's, you know, it's $5 a month. If you have $5, if if $5 is really going to stop you from watching games that you want to watch, you probably shouldn't be watching them anyway. All you got to do is skip Starbucks one time. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's that's not a huge thing to me, but I know it's also a very common complaint like you said, is, you know, okay, now I have to go to Peacock for this game, or I have to go to, you know, when you get into basketball season, okay, now I have to have BTN Plus for some of the non-conference games. You know, there is the question of where does it end? And the only answer I have to that is I think we're kind of seeing the cord cutter side of this kind of hit a, a tipping point. Because now, I mean, if you look at ESPN or Disney, I'm going to focus this as Disney, who owns Hulu, Disney Plus, and ESPN Plus, A, you can you can bundle them into one subscription. But even now, we're seeing beta versions of, I believe it's Hulu, or excuse me, of Disney Plus, having that all there, having the Hulu library on Disney mm-hmm. Plus. So... Yeah. Technically speaking, Hulu might become a thing in the past before too long. Um, ESPN Plus may just they may just all umbrella it, which I I don't think is a terrible idea. I think we're going to start seeing less scri- streaming subs- subscriptions rather than more. I don't think we're going to see really. I can't really fathom any new ones popping up at this point especially when you kind of work into, you know, the vast mm-hmm. majority of American media is all owned by like five or six companies. 
right? So now the the one the one company I'm surprised didn't jump on this right away was Apple TV. Well, Apple TV, Apple TV is TV. is kind of in the yeah. is really in a a weird spot, right? I mean, obviously, phone subscribers you either have Apple or you have Android, so that's kind of where we're at as a country right now and as a world as a whole. There's not really a whole mm-hmm. lot of the, the flip phones. Almost every phone, you know, there is still some quote unquote dumb phones, but the overwhelming mm-hmm. vast majority of of phones are a smartphone with one of those two operating systems. But Apple TV is really in an interesting spot where they have soccer. I believe they have their exclusive rights of MLS. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, they have had occasional MLB games. They usually have one a week exclusive to Apple. It- they have a decent amount of golf. Sure. So and they are starting to dabble in the college basketball world as well. Right, and that's what I was going to say ESPN. is with with the conference realignments that we're seeing with everybody either jumping basically to the SEC or the Big 10 right now where the Pac-12 has basically gone completely irrelevant. And mm-hmm. basically doesn't exist after, I would say, I think May or June when the spring sports season wind, wraps up here with all these Pac-10's teams going leaving. The, same route too. the Pac-10 is Pac-12. Same thing. Oh, yeah. Um, but where, that, where that's going to be is I believe Apple had offered to basically make a Pac-12 network. Kind of like how the Big Ten network is now and how ESPN's mm-hmm. kind of made, and Fox runs um, Big Ten Network. They're kind of like the over, you know, if you go through probably about six degrees of Kevin Bacon, you'll eventually find that it's owned by sport uh, Fox. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, to that end, ESPN has the SEC, which is also then Disney. Mm-hmm. But they have SEC Network. So you have the two major conferences have their own channel. I believe the ACC has something, but I, I don't really. I believe have the that. ACC has the ACC network. Sure, and I, I don't off the top of my head know who um, is behind that one, but I believe that's also ESPN. But I don't know that for a fact. But it's only a amount of time before I think Paramount might get in the game. A little bit more because, yeah, they have CBS Sports, but they really don't have an exclusive contract anymore, especially I believe the Big Ten is going to be doing more there, Mm -hmm. and the SEC is going almost exclusive to ESPN. Um, But, yeah, it's it's definitely going to be an interesting timeline here. But definitely things to... that need to be talked about and need to be monitored. So WWE going to Netflix, the Brewers and Bucks down the road here with Bally Sports in some capacity will be on Amazon. Uh, We will update that as it comes along, but again, definitely worth monitoring for now, Uh, which ties us back into the real world of sports. So if you're bored of us hearing talking about TV contracts, we're back to, uh, normal sports. We'll start off with the Milwaukee Brewers, who 
made one move uh, finally, and actually I think it's a very defining move for this offseason. Uh, as of yesterday, so actually two days ago now as we record or release this, but as of yesterday, uh, we see a very interesting pickup by the Milwaukee Brewers, and that's Reese Hoskins, formerly of the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, becoming a Milwaukee mm-hmm. Brewer. Uh, reportedly a two-year $34 million deal for the first baseman um, averages about 27 home runs hits left-handed pitching really well coming off an ACL surgery where he missed the whole 2023 season, but definitely a huge pickup in my book and, and why I think this is incredibly important for the Brewers is all off season we've been seeing as to, okay, what is the Brewers mindset in 2024 going to be? Are they going to more or less tread water? Are they going to make kind of one last gasp at it um, and make a kind of a last dance type season with Corbin Burns, Willie Adamas. So we now know that Brandon Woodruff is still unsigned. Um, if they let him walk because of the injury, but mm-hmm. You know, to what you know, what was the Brewers' season going to be? They did re-sign all these guys via or, or without going to arbitration. They came to agreements with them, so they didn't have to go to meetings. So they did have the one-year extension with all these guys. Um, Woodruff and Adamus really, or excuse me, Burns and Adamus were really the only two that had their last year of arbitration eligibility here. So after this season, they're no longer under club control. So that's why that's why it's kind of like the one last season or the last dance type season with two of your better players. Um, but what this does, like I said, it finally defines sets a a defined path as to what this team is going to be doing this season or what the intention of this season is. And to me, that says, hey, we're spending thirty four million dollars on a guy to hit home runs at AmFam. We're we're still in this. Um, mm-hmm. The other news kind of coming out of yesterday, it was non-news, but uh, it was the report that the Brewers weren't looking to trade at Willie Adamas, even though they did the one-year extension. Uh, they aren't going to be trading him this offseason. So that leads into the direct news of the Reese Hoskins signing. So like I said, it really seems like at least one more year of going to make a run at it. Mm-hmm. I think it's a pretty damn good signing to kind of start off your and make as your move. Right. So that's, that is my take on the thing. I get, I know you're not a huge baseball fan, so I want to ask Dylan, have you even heard of Reese Hoskins? No, I haven't. I, uh, I watch baseball or, uh, I don't want to say aesthetics, but I don't. I'm not hardcore into it. I just like to watch baseball. <laughs> um, well, let me let me like, like to be entertained. Dylan, it's a smart person's game. <laughs> if you can't wrap your mind around it, it's not for you. I can't. I can wrap my mind about it. I just have chosen not to yet, but I'm working on it. <laughs> um. Well, I, I, like I said, 27 home runs a year for every season he's had the full season, which the 2020 season, I believe, I, I don't, you know, that was the COVID shortened year. I don't remember the exact stats were because it was only 60 games. But um, 2022, the season that 
Philadelphia made the World Series run. He also did lead the team in doubles and I believe hits. So lots of positives there for the big bat the Brewers brought in. Again, $34 million mm-hmm. is a lot for a potentially one-year deal. It's two years, yeah. $34. Uh, there's a, I believe, a player option at the end of this season, so it could end up being like one for 17. But that's still a pretty healthy contract for a one-year deal. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, one that I'm definitely excited about and, like I said, definitely sets a an expectation going into it of, yep, we're we're running it back again this season. And mm-hmm. ex- honestly, to expect possibly more moves yet. Time will tell. All right. Staying in the city of Milwaukee, the one that I think you're most excited about, or at least knowledgeable about, the Milwaukee Bucks have had a wild, <sighs> probably now 30 hours. And in that 30-hour window, they had decided to fire Adrian Griffin, who had a 30-13 and record. Uh, Last night, initially reported by CNN Sports of All Outlets, that they had agreed to terms with Doc Rivers to be the new head coach. So uh, interim head coach Scott Prunty did not get a game out of it. A little bit bad for the guy, but it is what it is. Um, And then... Later reported last night that that had not come to the case that the yes the Bucks were talking to Doc but had not agreed to a deal, uh, which then became official a little bit later this afternoon today, uh, probably about twelve hours later, becomes official as reported by Adrian Wojnarowski and ESPN and basically everybody else besides CNN Sports. Mm-hmm. So Dylan, I'm going to ask you some questions here. Uh, one. Initially, what did you think about the move to move on from Adrian Griffin within not even or just over the first half of the season? I, I, from the perspective of the fact that you know we were thirty and thirteen, second in the East, I believe that's second in the league right now. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe we have the number one offense in the league. Could be wrong. Don't quote me. I believe we do though. Um, it's tough to swallow and it's, it's confusing, but at the same time, Adrian Griffin was hired because of his defense or not, I should say his defense, but his, his mentality on defense, right? He, in the interview that he had when he, before he was hired, Bucks upper management was impressed with his potential for a defensive scheme. Sure. Um, I, th- I believe we were, we as in the Bucks. I think we had the fourth best defense in the league last year. And now as the current, current standings in the league are for this season, I think we're down to 22, which has been extremely disappointing. You know, we've lost some close games because of how poor the defense has been this year. Um, so at, at giving up the twenty fifth, excuse me, uh, giving up the twenty fourth most points per game. Right, it's not where you you won't want to come off of the fourth best defense in the league again. I believe it was the fourth best last season, 
that's a that's a heck of a drop and it's disappointing and i get they kind of retooled you got rid of arguably the best wing defender in the game right now and drew holiday and replaced him with damian lillard who is obviously as about ex- as explosive as it gets from an offensive perspective but leaves a little bit to be desired on the defensive end so adrian griffin was handicapped there so to say but when he was mainly hired for his defensive prowess and the team has plummeted on that side of the uh, of that of the ball, it does make sense. Sure. I've also seen reports that the the locker room wasn't real confident in him, and at that point, it does make sense to move on. Yeah. So with that, Dylan, I guess I want to ask you your opinion on this. Because I can see both sides of the coin. So I'm going to ask you this question. I might have some comments on it myself. But to what extent do you think that an NBA head coach actually has on a team? I'm going to say it is less than we think. Um, you know, you look at it from the perspective of high school and college. Your coach runs your program. No ifs, ands, or buts about that. Obviously, he does have someone to ans- answer to, which is the athletic director, especially on the college front. When you get to the NBA, I believe your most important asset is probably going to be your star player. Right. I, I don't think there's a head coach in the league that the Milwaukee Bucks organization would prioritize over Giannis. And probably right now Damian Lillard. So mm-hmm. you know, it, it's no different than not to bring these guys up, but the Lakers. Who are they gonna who are they gonna, you know, if if LeBron and Ham are button heads, who are they gonna pick? Right. Mm-hmm. They're going to they're going to can ham. <laughs> almost instantly, you know. <laughs> so if. You know, if, if Adrian Griffin loses that locker room. They're not going to retool the locker room. They're going to make a change at the head coach. You're not going to get rid of Giannis because him and Adrian Griffin don't get along. You're not right. going to get rid of Damian Lillard, who you just traded, you know, Drew Holiday and, and some first round picks for. Because he's not getting rid or not getting along with Adrian Griffin, you're going to retool that head coach rather than revamp the locker room. So, so with yeah. that in mind, I guess I mean a lot of different varying thoughts on on hiring Doc Rivers. What does hiring a coach of that magnitude do then? You know what. What can fans expect to change over the course of the next half of the season? You know, Doc Rivers had obviously his most successful run was in Boston in 08 when he had, I would say that was his best roster. Better than any roster he ever coached in in. Um, it's Clippers, in my opinion. Definitely. 
Um, so obviously he's got the championship experience and he's got experience managing big name players, mm-hmm. right? Recently he's coached in LA. He's coached um, some big names in, in Boston. He's got, you know, he handled Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, and mm-hmm. to a point, Rajon Rondo. <clears throat> um, so he's got, he's got history coaching multiple as well, you know, because balancing Giannis and Lillard is not going to be the easiest task, but I think he's, I think he's got the capability to do it. Um, does this also go back to Rivers history in Milwaukee? Obviously he did, he did play for Marquette. He was an All-American in Marquette. Mm-hmm. So does that have anything to do with it? I don't know. Um, 16 straight winning seasons since he won that title with Boston. Ninth most regular season victories in NBA history. Fourth most in the playoffs. I, I think as far as a head coach is concerned, this should be, we should be optimistic as Buck fans. Obviously he's had some, <laughs> had some struggles in the playoffs recently especially, you know, closing out series is that he's been up in, you know, three games, one, three games to two. But he's, he's coming into a team with a very solid young core, arguably the best player in the league. And Giannis, I don't see any reason to be reluctant about this right now. Sure. Obviously time's going to tell. Um, the biggest difference that we're going to see is, you know, Giannis and Lillard and to an extent Lopez and Middleton have it figured out offensively. They know what they're doing. The biggest tell is going to be, do we get it together on the defensive side of the ball? You know, if our defense ranks start climbing, then obviously this is a good hire. You know, if defense stays the same and offense starts dropping, well, Obviously, hindsight's always going to be twenty twenty, but that's what we're going to. That, I, in my opinion, that's what you got to look for. So that kind of leads me to my next question for you, Dylan: Is your thoughts on how do you even make that change? So, to preface this question, and for our listeners who maybe not as involved in the NBA, um, certainly as much as even I am, but to even your extent, you can't play zone in the NBA. You have to play man. So I, I always argue that defense, especially in the NBA, is a mentality. You're a freak athlete. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, you're, yep. you're one-on-one with one of the, some of the best players in the world, but you're also one of the best players in the world. So mm-hmm. what difference is a head coach saying, yeah, you know, go man up, play defense? What does the head coach even have to do with that? Like is I'm gonna so say, to that end is is improved defense with just changing a head coach realistic. I think so. Um, you know, he's just you know. I'm gonna bring up the Lakers again because I think they have a head coach they don't respect at all. Um, it's hard to it's hard to suit up and play for a guy like that. Sure. 
Um, but you know, you got a coach like Doc Rivers, who is a highly respected coach in the NBA. He's going to be able to light that fire underneath underneath these guys and get them going on the defensive end because it is a mentality. I mean, these are some of the best athletes in the world. If they want to play defense, they're going to play defense. If you want to win games, you're going to play defense. And I think Doc Rivers has the ability here to push these guys and make them play defense. It's it's a whole different ball game coaching, you know, grown men like this because, you know, how do you look how do you look uh, Giannis in the eye and boss him around when he knows he's one of, if not the best player in the world right now. But Doc Rivers might have the, you know, the testicular fortitude to say <laughs> you're going to play defense or you're not going to play defense if you know what I'm saying. If you don't want to play defense, you can watch. Sure. I don't think you're going to bench Giannis, right? He doesn't. He's generally not the problem on the defensive end. Um, but you get what I'm saying. You get what I'm. Sure, absolutely. So, you know, as far as the, you know, maybe not even the Lillards because you're not going to want to bench him. But any of the other guys, you're going to say, play defense or watch, man. Your choice. That's how I see it changing, but again, time will tell. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give some thoughts here as well. Um, great answers, by the way. Excellent insight. Thank you. My thoughts on this are it's a lot of the same, but I think one thing that I expect the most to change, if there is going to be a change. I mean, again, you know, you're kind of dealt the roster that you have. Yes, you know. We'll see if the Bucks are active in the buyout market. I certainly expect them to be. Um, mm-hmm. There's not really a whole lot of financial room for them to be active at the trade deadline, per se. Right, but, especially now that you've got three coaches on payroll right now. Right. Um, but what that does to me, you know, there's two. there's really two big takeaways I have for this. One is we have the obvious that the Bucks, unlike a certain team in this state, weren't afraid to make a change midseason. And <laughs> we'll talk about that at a different point. But the Bucks weren't afraid to make that change in season. And we have seen this work out incredibly well, which not to, you know, like you said, not to bring this this person up. But there's a very successful story in 2016 of a team that fired their coach halfway through who was in over his head as a head man leading several high-profile grown-ass men and firing that that inexperienced head coach, ironically hiring a, another inexperienced head coach, but making a decision to hire a guy that meshes better with the locker room that results in a championship. So it has happened before. And if this ends up getting the locker room to buy back in, I think that's very important. Uh, The other caveat to the whole thing though, that I find the most interesting and, and where I think doc rivers will make the most impact 
it's something that you said really early on when we started talking about this, but it's just the experience of knowing how to handle stars and how to handle a rotation of stars. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, you know, defensively, like I said, you can only play man, so it's not like you're switching to a a two three or the one three one. You're not busting that out anytime soon. Mm-hmm. But you learn and you know how to better build better rotations of of five which five you want on the floor in key moments you're not going to be pardon the term deer in the headlights <laughs> with you know these big moments because you haven't really done it outside of playing 2k you know what i mean like mm-hmm. that's that's something that doc rivers brings that you know he's able to probably better suit a lineup of you know five and you're six to seven player road you know more actually probably longer than that so your seven to nine player rotation mm-hmm. at any given night he is better suited to that than adrian griffin was i agree and that's that's where your big change is i think you're going to start seeing it's going to be gradual i don't expect this to be night and day tomorrow or even tonight because that's the first game I don't think mm-hmm. it'll be Doc. I'm not even sure if it'll be Doc Rivers on the sideline. That, to my knowledge, I don't believe the Bucks even formally announced it yet. It's just been. I don't believe they have either. Reported. Yeah. Um, so it'll probably be the Scott Prunty show. So you know, best of luck to him. Um, but to my knowledge, yeah, I don't. I, the Bucks have not officially announced Doc Rivers as head coach for tonight or at all. So. With that in mind, like I said, it's it's definitely an interesting time for the Bucks. Uh, just to wrap this up, Dylan, I'm going to ask you your overall grade of the move to move on from Adrian Griffin and your your initial grade pre game one of the hire the reported hire of Doc of Doc Rivers. My grade to move on from Griffin, I'm going to say I'm going to give it an A. And not because I don't like Adrian Griffin. I, You know, you never root for a guy losing a job, which I'm sure we're going to touch on that here shortly as well <laughs> in another from another perspective. But um, he was hired for one thing. I shouldn't say one thing, but he was hired predominantly for his defensive mindset and this year it is tanked. So I, I think, I think it was the right move. So I'm going to say a on that one. And as far as hiring doc rivers, I, it's hard to give it a grade, an honest objective grade without seeing results or lack thereof. I'm, st- I'm going to give that a B plus. Um, okay. You know, the, the, I like what the Bucks are doing right now. They're 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 going out and they're saying we're we're gonna. I don't. I don't. None of the details of Doc Rivers' contract have been leaked. I shouldn't say leaked, but reported yet. But the Bucks are saying we're not afraid to get out there and get some big names now, right? We we got we got a we got a guy in Giannis who is a once in a lifetime player, and we are gonna get some rings with him. And they're not, you know, they're not doing what the Cavs did with LeBron in his first stint. They're not right. just hoping that he's going to carry them. They're they're going out and they're putting a team around him, and they're making runs. So, 
even at the head coach pers- uh, position. So I'm going to give this a B plus. Obviously, you know, in a week or two, we can revisit this. Got a couple more games coming up here in the next couple of weeks, and we can we'll be able to see with our eyes what these results look like. So in the meantime, I'm going <clears> to <throat> excuse me. I'm going to say B plus. All right, uh, my grades. I'm going to agree with you. I think the willingness to move on from Adrian mm-hmm. Griffin is more telling. You know, especially with the record. I mean, if you if you heard people talking about the Bucks, you would have thought they were almost dead last in the league, mm-hmm. instead of second in the East, and and for that matter, for home court advantage, if they were to hypothetically make the finals, second best team in all the NBA record wise. Mm-hmm. You'd have never guessed based on where they're you know with all the talking heads of the conversation that's been had. Mm-hmm. That said. I think there is, you know, like I said, it's it's being willing to say, yep, you know, we we might have made a mistake here, you know, whether it was, you know, because the reports were that Adrian Griffin was Giannis's guy at the hiring time this last summer, you know, if that's if that's the case, yeah, we, you know, we messed up, you know, we lost the locker room in some capacity, whatever it is, like you. You've acknowledged that hey, this wasn't working out, and this was probably only to get going to get worse by our own standards that we've created. So mm-hmm. it is it's better to move on rather than let this fester and waste a year of Giannis and possibly your only year of Giannis and Dame, who you traded one of your key franchise players and a very crucial role player in Grayson Allen. Mm-hmm. So you moved on from two very important pieces of your of your lineup to make this trade. <clears throat> and if it's potentially only for one year, you have to maximize those results in that one year. Yeah, it's go um, time right now. So to to that, just for the the decision to move on, I get it. I'm I'm glad that again they didn't just hold on to hold on. Doc Rivers hire is an interesting one. Um, as a whole, I'm going to give it, you know, again, prior to it hasn't even been formally announced by the Bucks yet. So I guess technically speaking, we're speculating. But given who's all reported it, I'm going to take that on faith for now and for conversation's sake. I think it's a I think it's a B plus or an A minus. I think. All the important pieces of it are there. Um, You know, you look at, again, a guy who has meaning to the city of Milwaukee, who has something, you know, you can point back to, like, yeah, this is a guy who probably had some great times here as a player, that Milwaukee might mean something to him Mm -hmm. as a person, as well as he means something to the city as being a, you know, like you said, it's an All-American. Those don't come every single year. So to that end, I think it's, you know, optically it's great. It's a big name who has a you know championship pedigree. Um, you know, say what you will about those playoff meltdowns. He's also had some pieces that were prone to meltdowns other places. Yeah. So it mm-hmm. might, bold take, may not be a Doc Rivers problem. Um, may not be 100% a Doc Rivers problem. Right. So... Very, very intriguing as to what ends up happening from here. Um, and as 
with that and what the Bucks plan to do at that buyout with the buyouts and with the trade deadline, um, you know, how active they're going to be. Like you said, they do have now three head coaches on the payroll. Technically that doesn't go towards uh, luxury tax and stuff like that helps having Jimmy Haslam as another investor to pay three head coaches all at once. Yeah. Reportedly three head coaches. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't hate it. I'm. I'm. I'm intrigued by it. I think, mm-hmm. given available names out there at this moment, it's probably the best name and best coaching pedigree that was out there. Um, you know, you start kind of getting into okay, what, what about Mark Jackson? I'm good. Any of the Van Gundys? I'm good. Yeah, I'll, I think I'll, I think they picked the best one out there. You know, the the only conversation then becomes, okay, you know, what should they have hired Adrian Griffin this summer? Should they have looked at Nick Nurse a little more? Should they have looked at, you know, like Monty Williams? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm content in what they did. I I don't think they're gonna not mm-hmm. I, I don't think they're gonna regret not hiring Nick Nurse or Monty or whoever. Um, obviously that's to be determined. Hindsight will be 2020, but that's where I'm at right now. All right. Well, with that in mind, we move on. And this is normally where we would talk about the Packers. Um, we're not going to do that, Dylan. For the sake of this episode, we are actually going to more or less put a bow on this thing because there is a lot of Packers to talk about. And we're going to do that in an episode that we're going to release tomorrow. It's going to be basically all Packers. So if you want to stay, you know, keep your eye out for that episode, obviously turn your notifications on. We'll have plenty to talk about, whether that be the season ending um, on a loss to the 49ers, the coaching changes that we have now seen and staff changes we have now seen. Mm-hmm. And everything in between as we look forward. We'll have a look at that here in just 24 hours or so. So be sure to keep your eye out for the Rupert Wisconsin show. In the meantime, we can take a quick look around the college State College basketball. The Green Bay women, as we had mentioned, did snap their 10-game losing streak, currently up on IUPUI 53-33 in their bounce-back game. Uh, Milwaukee Panthers, eh, I don't care. I'm not going to talk about them. Um Wisconsin Badgers got a huge win over Minnesota last night, mm-hmm. two nights ago as we released this. Uh, very close, very gritty win. Gritty, not pretty, but it got the job done. Are up to 13th in the country in the latest AP poll. Marquette got an upset win over the weekend against St. John's. And the Green Bay Phoenix men did split their weekend series or their weekend trip out to... Um, the Dayton area. They did get another win over Wright State, so they get their first season sweep in two seasons with a win over the Raiders. They did lose to the Northern Kentucky Norse over the weekend um, in a battle of upper first place teams of the Horizon League. I do believe they remain in a tie at the top of their Horizon League uh, standings. To that end. 
but it was a 72 or 74 52 loss on Saturday, but an 88 81 win over Wright State on the road, which they were a, I believe, a seven point dog going into that game and or a ten and a half point underdog and got another huge road win for Coach Wicks and the boys who, you know, we talk about the, uh, the, net, the mini series that they've been doing, which episode two of 362 came out today, have not watched it yet, but that stems from the NCAA net rankings, um, which is how they rank all 362 teams in the NCAA. The Green Bay Phoenix men have cracked past 200. They've gone from 362 to they had been at uh, 195 last week. They're back down to 203 after the loss, but. At 2.03 in the course of less than a year. Pretty remarkable. So Green Bay Phoenix basketball continues to dominate uh, the headlines here in my book. Obviously the Badgers and the Golden Eagles keep winning as well. Great time to be a basketball fan. I, uh, I'm going to be That's honest, right. I, don't, I don't give two shits about UW <laughs> Milwaukee, so I'm not going to talk about them. But... <laughs> That is what it is. But uh, with that in mind, Dylan, that is essentially a wrap on this episode. With that, we end up and or we end up talking what we always do, and that is what we are rooting for in the upcoming week. Why don't you start us off with that, Dylan? What do you got for us? I'm just rooting for our state Wisconsin basketball teams. Badgers, Phoenix. I don't really care about the Panthers or the Golden Eagles, but you know, <laughs> Green Bay's a half game out of first at least the men are the women are also in second place i think Badgers uh, they are, are they the the phoenix women are dominating uh the horizon league right now they believe they have a two or three yeah. game lead i don't think they're in first pretty sure they are they just showed it i i think they're tied for first with the tiebreaker as of right now at worst let me let me see, Dylan, just because now I'm now I'm questioning. Yep, they it. are tied for first. They are tied for first. My mistake. Suck it. Tied with Cleveland tied State for- with the advantage yep. due to the tiebreaker. Yep. So Phoenix basketball is doing well. Badger basketball is doing well. I'm happy. I am also very happy. I'm going to stick with the basketball theme, but I am going to give a shout out to my high school alma mater. And that is the Gillette Tigers, who have had a numerous, they've had Player of the Week nominations for the area in the Green Bay Press-Gazette, and a winner in the Player of the Week. They had a statewide Player of the Week nomination two weeks ago. And the boys' basketball team is in, I believe, in a tie for first place in the Marinette Oconto MNO Conference. And had beaten Krivitz earlier this season. They did actually end up losing the rubber match uh, or the revenge game, I guess, uh, on Tuesday, so yesterday. But they had beaten Krivitz earlier this season for the first time in 12 years. Oh. And their next upcoming game is, I believe, from the text message I got from one of my connections who asked me to give them a shout out is Oneida Nation. They play them Friday the 26th at 7.15 in Oneida. And that is the third-ranked team in the MNL. So, mm-hmm. shout-out to the Jill Tiger boys for continuing to uh, 
really make a run here and have one of their better teams that they've had in quite some time. So shout out to them as well. It's been a lot of uh, lean years and it's really been a buildup of this team. And, and I know some of the, the young guys who are playing, who have really changed the culture of Jill basketball. Um, I've coached their football teams. This is also the first group that I had coached as a, as a high school senior when I started coaching some of these guys, Dylan. Now they're in high school. That's wild. Getting old. It's crazy. Yeah. Blows. Getting old blows. But sure, sure um, <laughs> friend of the program, Russ Young, who has been on our other uh, program as well, head coach of the Jillette Boys. Uh, Want to shout him out as well for the excellent work he's done with turning around that team as well and getting this group of guys to believe and buy in. Led by junior guard Jesse DeBush, who currently scoring 23 a game, Dylan. Two other, two other players in double-digit scoring, Aiden Franti and Ben Macek, uh with 15.5 and 14.5 respectively. Uh, Jesse DeBush, the fresh or the junior guard, also hauling in 8.4 rebounds per game. And this is a guard, though. This is a five or listed as a six-foot guard. I uh, I don't know if that's accurate. I'm gonna say that. <laughs> that might be a a good old fashioned basketball coaches program listing. Be fluffed up a little bit. Um, maybe on the tippy toes or something. But <laughs> yeah, that's that is like I said, just an impressive turnaround. So I do want to shout them out. And uh, like I said, if you're you know there is great basketball going on all throughout the state, especially here in Northeast Wisconsin. Notre Dame girls are one of the best teams in the states. Nina. Uh, to pure boys, plenty of great local action. Uh, Southern Door Boys, who Justin and I have talked about on this show as well. Lots of great local action. Be sure to get out, get to a gym, go to a game. That's my challenge. Uh, this is also usually where we talk about the bar of the week. I'm I'm not sure I'm going to do that right now because we just talked about high school athletes. It feels a little wrong. So we're going to skip the bar of the week this week because I apparently have grown morals. Good for me. <laughs> About time. And that is episode 141 for Sean, Shauna, Justin, Ramsey, who aren't here. I'm Eric. That's Dylan. Signing off. The episode 141.5 comes out tomorrow. Packer-focused episode. You're not going to want to miss it. Plenty to talk about there as well. Check it out. We're out. See ya. See ya.